Hey guys, it is Kelly Langston and this is God, Dreams, and Really Good Coffee. And before we get started into the podcast topic today, which will be very interesting because in case you have been living in a cave, you are well aware that this is the weekend before the American election on November 3rd, which is this coming Tuesday. I would say that this is the 11th hour. We are right before the election that has been on everyone's minds for so long. And what has this got to do with God dreams and really good coffee? Well, stay tuned and I'm going to tell you why, because this is the 11th hour. But first, I want to tell you what coffee that we are enjoying in my home right now. It is from Smokin' Beans Coffee. And again, this is not a paid advertisement. I just love coffee. And so I want to tell you what I'm drinking. And I hope that you have a good cup of coffee. But hey, if you don't drink coffee, go get you a cup of tea or anything right now. But uh, I want to tell you what I'm drinking because it is one of my favorite coffees. We roast green unroasted beans and the current batch that we just received from, we get it from Smoking Beans Coffee, but this is Tanzania Peaberry and oh my goodness, it is delicious. My husband roasts them out on our screen and porch and we enjoy it so much. So I highly recommend that. That is a cup of really good coffee. But like I said, if coffee's not your thing, that's okay because we have lots to talk about. And I'm really glad you're here. There is so much going on right now. And we are days away from an event that we have been wondering about for a long time. There are people who have said that this election is going to go one way. There are other people who have said it's going to go another way. And many people who have said that God has told them that the election is going to go a certain way. And my question to you is, how do we know who is really right? Who has really heard from God? And I'm going to take it more precisely. How do we know we've really heard from God? And aren't we supposed to know that for sure? I had a friend, a dear, dear friend that I love so much, and we were talking about the gift of prophecy, which is one of the spiritual gifts. It's one that Paul says that he wished that we all had. It's speaking a word of God's truth out. And the spirit hears from God, and he only speaks what God tells the spirit who dwells in believers of Jesus Christ, who dwells within us. So we have the spirit. So the spirit hears from God and he talks to us and teaches us. And that's a a precious gift that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. So you would think that, given that, that we would hear this booming voice or, or something that we were just so confident that it was God, thus saith the Lord, this is going to go down on Tuesday. Something like that, right? You know, and... I have watched over the past year and saw where very respectable people have had very different ideas. And we are all watching 
and waiting and and seeing. We've had so many words of prophecy. It's enough to make your head spin. But that's what I my ministry is all about because I think that we can know what God is doing as a little bit, the little glimpses that he gives us because he wants to call us into his plan. He wants to show us his will. He doesn't want you to do my will, but you have to guess what it is. That's not God. He will give you these little um, leadings of the spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So we have that. We have this gift. So our biggest problem, if I may, is that we depend too much on what everybody else says that they heard from God. And we don't spend enough time going directly to the source because as a believer in Christ, we have been given the right to boldly approach the throne of Almighty God with our request. And we can ask him, hey, God, what are you doing? What is your will for this country in this case? And how can I be a part of it? Do you really think that God the Father doesn't want to answer that prayer? Of course he does. But we often neglect to ask him. And I understand why, because I'm guilty too. It is easy to listen to somebody else tell you what they they think. And But I think we're in a new era. I'm going to speak out a little bit about that. I think that the old things are passing away. This is something new. And when I mean old things, I mean... It is time to get off the fence and it's not, we cannot rely on other people's faith right now. We have to have our own personal relationship with Jesus in order to hear and know uh, the ways of the Lord, the ways of God. We have to have our own faith. We have to open up the Bible ourselves. We have to develop our relationship with Jesus ourselves. This is the time I believe that We can't rely on other people anymore. And I think if we do that, we're going to get misled because there are so many people that are not accurately um, speaking out in the mail from an organization that I have been a part of. And one of the top articles was titled Speaking Her Truth. And that made me want to question, is truth absolute or is it does it bend does it change can my truth be different from your truth now that might ruffle some feathers but truth is truth are god's ways true or are they not is the bible true or does it change with with the the changing times you have to decide that I'm not even going to tell you what to decide, but you and God need to get together and you have to make up your mind because the time for sitting on the fence is over and that's okay because when we give up what's not quite good enough, which is a wishy-washy faith, one that isn't quite sure what to believe because we're listening to all these different voices instead of going to God ourselves, which we have the right to do. And not only do we have the right to do it, but Jesus died to give us that right. It's time to take that up, take Jesus up on that and go before God. So that brings me back into this topic. Well, you might say, I've tried to listen to God and I I think he said one thing, but how do I know if it's right? 
How do I know it's really him? And that's a good question. I think that's a great question. I had somebody write me um, this week and they sent me something that they believed that the Lord was telling them. And it was word for word. It was like God was speaking to this person. And when she wrote me, she had some questions that were pretty serious questions. And I told her, you know, I want to pray about this and see what God has to say before I answer you, because that's something that we can always do. We don't have to immediately blurt out a response to the deep questions of our life. Let's let God speak to you. Again, one of the ways to know that God is speaking is to create a space for him to speak. So that's what I did. So I gave it a day and asked God, hey, God, this is this person has some serious questions. How do I know how to respond? Because I i don't want to just blurt out what I think she wants to hear. I want to know what you want to say to this person or, or how do I know? And that's difficult because even me, there's a, there's a question initially is like, is, is God really going to tell you? Is he really going to answer? And it's hard. So I just give it a time and, and, and pray about it and just let it settle for a while. And it's amazing, but God, he, he will settle an issue in our spirit. And I began to think that God wanted me to respond in a certain way that this person was trying to control a situation uh, that God wanted her to release to him and let him work and stop stressing out about it. So that was on my mind. And she sent me another letter, an email, and she gave me that word that she thought that was from God. But she said, I don't know, is this really from God or not? And it was exactly along the same lines as what I believe that God was telling me to say to her, to respond to her that, hey, I want you to have peace. I want you to to enjoy your life. I want you to turn this over. You've you've given everything you can to this situation. Now it's time to let me work. And it, it went hand in hand with that. And the person, when she wrote to me and wrote this word, she said, I just, how do I know this is from God? But she included two scriptures in that. And that's key. You can tell, okay, here's the deal. It is hard. Let's be real. It is hard to know the voice of God sometimes. I mean, people might disagree with that, but we all have doubts sometimes. You know, it's not like God's sitting here right in this chair next to us and we can see him with our own eyes and we can reach out and touch him in a tangible way. We have to have faith. The Bible says without faith, you cannot please God. I don't know why that is, but that is the way things are in this world as we wait to go to our heavenly home, which everything will be different at that point. And we will see him with our own eyes. And won't that be exciting? But right now we have got to have faith. And in order to have faith, we we learn to develop it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. So how do you know a word is from God? Well, I will say that the more, first of all, whatever you believe that the spirit is giving you, in this case, she had some something that she wrote down that she felt God was giving her. And that's why I love journaling. Ask 
God our deep questions in prayer and then write down how you feel the Lord is leading you. But here's the key. Take it to scripture and see if scripture confirms it. Because I say this again and again, what you hear from God, it will never conflict with the word of God. Never. So there are some churches right now that are teaching things that that conflict with the word of God. All I can say is it's the word of God. He's the one that wrote that. All scripture is inspired by God. So I don't have a right to change it. I would not have the audacity to even believe that I could change what God writes. You know, it's God's word. Wow. But anyway, so when you get something from God, you take it to scripture first and see if it agrees with scripture. That's key. Scripture is the litmus test for anything that you hear from God. Now, the other thing I want to say is the more you listen to what God is speaking through the Holy Spirit, the more you begin to recognize the way he speaks to you. And I think that's personal to every person, which is amazing, isn't it? He, We have a unique God. He's a very personal God. Our relationship with Jesus is personal. It's not Sally's relationship with Jesus or it's not Tom's relationship. I, I don't have that. I have my own personal relationship with Jesus that you need to have too. I mean, you need to take the things that I'm telling you now and take them back to God. Does this apply, God? Is she full of it? Or is this real? You have to test every voice because there's so many confusing voices out there. So test it because he wants to develop that relationship. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So here's the good thing. The more we are familiar with going before the Lord, asking questions and listening and writing those things down, we begin to recognize the voice of God, just like Jesus said we would. We know his voice. So when I saw what this person wrote, I I could see, wow, that's the way God speaks to me in a very encouraging way. So it's not to say that God will never say, hey, you're screwing up here. But when you hear a voice, this is what is so beautiful to me. The voice of God is always edifying. So it's not to say that he won't point out where you're going astray, where you might have sin in your life. He does that. And he might say, you know, remember when you were talking to your friend shouldn't have said that. He will will tell you that, but it's always in a way that is is loving, like a loving father would do. Now the enemy will say, wow, what a stupid thing to say. You really blew that one, Kelly. Wow, that was just dumb. You've probably ruined your relationship forever. You, why even bother? You're just worthless. That is the voice of the enemy. John 10, 3 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. They recognize him. We listen. We, as a follower of Christ, listen to him. Now, let me give you some more examples of the voice of the enemy and how he has a way of speaking as well, and you can learn to recognize it. It's wonderful when you start to figure this out because you'll you'll hear 
you know, the enemy can speak through a friend or a loved one or anyone, but you'll hear the words that they say. And I, I don't even think they know that they're being used in, in, by the enemy sometimes. So I don't get angry. You'll learn not to get angry at the person, but you can recognize the enemy. And I'll explain. Let, let me explain. This is the voice of God. Let me give you an example. God will speak in a still, small voice. It's comforting. It settles into your soul. The enemy shouts at us. God's voice brings us together. There's unity. He calls us in the unity. The enemy seeks to push us apart. Now, isn't that interesting right now? Because when you hear people that are pushing us apart, that's the enemy working through their actions. But when you hear, like, I love being in worship when there are people from all different backgrounds. And when we come together in worship, we're all together. We're united. We're all the same under God. And it's beautiful. That's God. God's words are gentle. The enemy is pushy. Have you ever been looking at a certain thing on the internet and you feel that they're pressuring you to make a buy? They want you to buy something quickly and make your decision. So they'll push you into a decision like a, like a salesman, you know, <laughs> that's the, that's how the enemy works. But God's words are gentle. His ways, his voice is gentle. God, his instruction leads us to a sound mind, but the enemy leads us to confusion. Wow. Think about that. Now, when you look at the news headlines, can you, with that in mind, which one is leading us to a sound mind and which one is confusing? Hmm. Think about that one. God's words are patient. The enemy wants to rush us into a decision. That's kind of that sales tactic that they want you to make a bad decision quickly. That's the enemy instead of thinking it through. But God is patient. God's words always agree with scripture, but the enemy, he twists scripture and begs us to doubt it. This is the age old trick right from the jump when the snake approached Eve in the garden. God had given them this massive garden of every fruit tree to eat from. And this only one could they not enjoy. And so the snake comes up and said, really? God said you couldn't have fruit off of this tree? He's holding out. He's trying to keep you away from that. See, the enemy creates a seed of doubt into God's goodness. That's the enemy. God's words are full of hope, but the enemy speaks of hopelessness. God's voice is always encouraging, but the enemy is critical and condemning. Now that's key too. When you start to hear voices, but it's a condemning voice, that was just stupid. You look terrible. You really screwed that up. I mean, we all have that, right? We, we've all heard that where we start to hear this critical nature. Well, you know, that's not how God speaks. God speaks just like Jesus did when they caught the woman in adultery and the Pharisees came, they were ready to stone the woman. And Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone and they all left. So how does Jesus address this woman who really did commit this sin that she was caught? 
He says, go and sin no more. You have no accusers. I'm not either. <laughs> he was not accusing her. He was like, but he was correcting her. Go and sin no more, but in a loving way. That's the voice of God. So the, here's the deal. The more you spend time with God, the more you write these things down and, and look at them, you begin to recognize his voice. And he is a good, good father. And you begin to love it. And you can recognize it. Uh, not only that, but you can start to recognize the voice of the enemy. So the thing is, the enemy will come at us in different ways. It could be from a friend or somebody that you pass and uh, they have a critical comment for you. But you begin to recognize that, hey, that's the enemy. It's not the person. The enemy is using that person to get to you to get to your peace, to get to your joy in the Lord. And I'll give you an example. And it's kind of funny because when God was calling me to write my first book, I was employed and I needed to quit the job in order to write the book. And I knew that God wanted me to do it. So I approached my um, boss and told him that I needed to quit. And the person asked me why. And I said, well, because I'm going to write a book. He laughed at me right in my face. Ha, 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 ha. And so, wow. But I recognized it as the enemy using my boss to get me to cause doubt, to doubt God's purpose in my life. And because I spent time recognizing this in the past, as soon as my boss laughed in my face, I saw it for the enemy and I started to rejoice because I knew I was on the right track. And God eventually brought me my first book contract. He did everything that he was going to, that he promised that he opened every door. He did everything himself. But I I wasn't entirely sure. I mean, we don't have concrete proof. We have to step out in faith. Faith is, it's believing for things not seen, but believing them now. So I knew that God wanted me in a quiet time. I knew he wanted me to write this book. I knew that he did. So I stepped out and created that space by quitting my job. And my boss laughed in my face. <laughs> so, But that's okay, because I knew that that was the enemy trying to get me to doubt and as it turns out, I, I had time to recognize that. I recognized it as the enemy. So you can do that too. You can learn to, the enemy is not creative. He has the same techniques that he uses every, from that first few chapters in Genesis with Eve, he just keeps doing it. He has the same, he's the accuser, Diablos, the divider. So when you see that uh, somebody trying to divide, that is not God. That's the enemy. So let's get back on track with the 11th hour. So we have all these different things, right? And and all these different words that people have spoken over what's going to happen after this election. And I will say that it's Friday before the election and people have been fasting. People have been praying. We've had great events asking for repentance in Washington and across the land. And it's time now to see what the Lord's going to do. So it's kind of like watch and wait. And that's where we are right now. We're going to watch and we're going to wait. And we're going to know who is right, who 
accurately heard from God and who didn't. The enemy has a plan for the United States, and it's a plan to destroy it. The enemy comes, and this is scriptural, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan. And I am certain that he would like to steal, kill, and destroy the United States of America. Because I also know from reading the diaries of William Bradford from the Pilgrim, the first, you know, governor back in 1620, 400 years ago, that he specifically says that they came here seeking a place to worship God in purity and to be a light to the nations. That is the original purpose of this land. That's what he writes about 400 years ago, almost to the day. It might be the day. The day you're hearing in this, it could be 400 years ago because he wrote that in his in his original journal, which is beautiful. You can read it online. But that was the plan. So God has a plan, but the enemy has a plan. And which one is going to win out is the question. But when I said that in answer to the question, what do you think is going to happen after the election night? And I said, I think that there's going to be a lot of contention and that it will be contested and uh, there's going to be a lot of issues with it. God was telling me, hey, don't agree with the enemy's plan. My heart is never for contention and strife and battle, but you will face battles, but you're agreeing with this before it even happened. In other words, I'm speaking in agreement with something that I don't know is going to happen. I was saying what I think was going to happen. And I don't know what God's going to do really. I mean, he could do something amazing Monday and there would be absolutely no contention whatsoever. God's plan is sure for this nation. And I'm very encouraged about what he's doing, what he's going to do. And I had to repent really and say, Lord, you're right. May your will for this nation be done. May your original purpose be complete and may every plan of the enemy fall flat. That's my prayer. So let me go back to scripture. We talked a little bit in the last podcast, Contending with God, the last episode about Elijah. And this, I hope, encourages you because the big question is, how do we know we're really hearing from God? And I know a lot of people have that question. I know I have had that question. To pretend that you don't sometimes wonder and you should never doubt, but sometimes that's hard. I think what I'm trying to say is choosing faith sometimes is a choice. Remember when Jesus was healing the child of a certain father and he asked, do you believe? And he said, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. So he was admitting that He wanted to believe, yes, I believe, but I need some help. And even John the Baptist, when he was in prison, and I have to imagine him having a lot of things that God had given him that he was going to be the the one that comes to prepare the way of the Lord, and he's in prison. And his heart was to declare the way of the Lord, but he's in prison. And I'm sure there were moments of doubt with John the Baptist. So he said, I can prove it because he sent in Bible, it says he, he sent his people to go and ask Jesus, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Or should we keep looking? 
And Jesus replied, you go back and you tell John that the lame are walking and the blind are seeing and, and he's, he's confirming that. But see what John did right was he took those doubts to God and he chose to go to God with that. So I don't think it's the sin to have those questions come up. You know, we're human. When God gives us something that's wonderful, like a dream, like to me, he gave me the dream of writing. And, and there were times I'm like, wow, I, this is too much. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but you have to choose to trust God. And then you put your work into it and you meet him and you put your faith into it and then you let him work. And there's a process of waiting. That's where we are right now in this 11th hour. We talked about Elijah back in the days of Ahab and Jezebel, that story about how Ahab, King Ahab allowed Jezebel to bring idolatry into the nation and they began worshiping false gods and it corrupted everything. Well, Elijah went into the king and said, there's not going to be any rain until I give the word. And then he left and God took care of Elijah while indeed there was no rain. And then you had the showdown on Mount Carmel between the prophets of Baal and God. Elijah, it was time to send the rain after this big showdown. So he goes up to this mountain and think there hasn't been any rain or dew, it says, for over three years, I believe. There has been nothing. It had been dry and people were dying. It was a drought. It was terrible. But it was time to send the rain. Okay. So in 1 Kings 18, chapter, verse 41, Elijah says to Ahab, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So he spoke it out before there was any evidence whatsoever that that rain was coming. There was no evidence. He declared, there's not going to be any rain until I give that word that the rain's coming back. And after the prophets of Baal were defeated, he says to the king, to the king, you better go because the sound of abundant rain is on the way. Okay, so he spoke it out. So then he goes to the top of Mount Carmel. He put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So the servant went and looked and he said, there's nothing. I don't see anything. So why is Elijah putting his head between his knees? And I've, I've thought about that a lot. And I think the answer is he put his head between his knees because he didn't want to look at the circumstances because they, they looked like there was not going to be any rain. And they did not agree with that word that he had from God, that the rain was coming. And he agreed with God. He spoke it out, but he put his head down because I don't want to even look at the circumstances. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to speak it out. I don't even want to look at the circumstances. Hey, guys. That's the 11th hour. The circumstances look really bad. Don't look at them. We know that God has a plan. We know that he's a plan for this country. We know that he's a plan for Israel and the world. And God's will is going to be done. I'm telling you now, God's will is going to be done. It might not look like it. We might not see it. The news will definitely not be reporting it. But God's will is going to be done. So there we are. There, just like Elijah, head down, 
I'm not even going to look at the circumstances. Go again. And he says, he told his servant to go again and tell me what you see. Seven times he sent him to go look for any sign of rain, but he found nothing, nothing. But on that seventh time, and seven is the number of completion. It's a perfect number. On that seventh time, the servant came back and said, well, there is a cloud, but hey, it is so small. It's just as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So small. So in other words, maybe it's not worth anything to believe. But that was all it took. That restored and renewed and solidified Elijah's faith. And he went running. He went running because he knew he could see that little tiny, small indication that God's will was going to be done. And I pray for you all right now that you will see God's little tiny cloud to let you know that his will is going to be done in this, in this great decision that we're all about to face. God's will is going to be done. And I pray when you start to doubt and when things on the news look really uh, shaky, that you put your head down, go to God, keep your mind on him, and then look for the tiniest little smallest sign and put your faith in it. Because God's will is going to be done. He is going, I think he's going to show up in an amazing way. That's my prayer that we will know that the Lord's hand has been on this. It's time to get off the fence. That's where he's bringing us right now. So when Elijah saw that small, small cloud, he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before you can't even get home because the rain is so strong. And it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and winds and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead. He beat the horse, guys. He beat the horse. He beat him home to the entrance of Jezreel. I think, guys, that's where we are right now. We are about to see something amazing. So don't look at what you see in the circumstances. Trust God. And you know, don't take my word for it. Go and ask God yourself. God, what are you doing in this? And what's my role in it? He will speak to you and you will begin to recognize him the more you do this. He has a way. He has a personal way that he speaks to you and you're going to be able to recognize that. Write it down, honor it and be excited because he's doing a new thing. Can't you see it? It's coming. It's coming like the rain like the mighty rain. I am Kelly Langston. If you have any questions, send them to me at info at kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, langston.com. And I will see you on the other side of this election day. And we'll go back to talking about the wonderful things that God is doing. Be encouraged, guys. Be encouraged. You have a future and a hope. And God is on the throne. His will will be done. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you are blessed. And God takes care of you. And you are surrounded in, by his peace. So take care, guys. And if you have been blessed by this, please subscribe. And I'd love for you to share it with somebody who might be a little stressed out. Because there's, there's a lot of us that are a little stressed out right now. So share this word of hope with somebody that's a little stressed out. And tell them that God's will is going to be done. Take care. Bye.
Has God given you a dream of something amazing? Is it a dream that's so hard to reach that you might be considering giving up on it, even though you really believe God has called you to it? If you have a dream like that, I have a book that's going to encourage you to press on. Because whenever God gives us a dream, it's not going to be an easy dream, one that's easy to achieve in our own power, because God wants to provide his supernatural assistance to get us there. I've written a book called When God Gives a Dream, Reaching Your Impossible Dream in God's Power. And right now it is free for download on Amazon. In it, you'll discover the characteristics of a God-inspired dream and learn how to determine if it is from God and be encouraged to press on. You can find it now at the Amazon Bookstore.